we're just starting this series on Corinthians and uh, an, an amazing book. I, I'm really excited about Corinthians because it is challenging. It is a challenging book and it challenges our thinking. Um, last week, uh, last week uh, Gary sort of introduced the book to us and um, just to just to say that um, he, he began by showing that Corinthians, Corinth is that bit on the left there. It's on a little isthmus between the Aegean and the Adriatic Sea. Very, very uh, strategic place. Um, so it became, so it was a, a seaport. And uh, the, the, the traders used to, to go in one side and sometimes they'd drag the boats across the isthmus and out the other side. Or they'd unload the, boat, the cargo from one boat and, and carry it across land to the other because it saves them so much time not to have to sail all the way around Greece. It had been a, a Greek city. Um, it, it had uh, it worshipped uh, Apollo. It had had a big temple to Aphrodite, um, which had given it, which was a lot of pagan worship and and so on. But the Romans had come and destroyed it about two hundred years earlier than Paul was there. The Romans had destroyed it completely. But then Julius Caesar had come along um, and rebuilt it. And by the time Paul was there, it had become a large cosmopolitan city and seaport. It was thriving. A lot of sort of senior Romans who'd done their stuff and now retired would go and live there. It was, uh, um, and, and it was a thriving place. Archaeological Excavation suggests its citizens led a lifestyle devoted to entertainment and self-indulgence. It sort of gives a, a sort of Las Vegas type feeling about it. Gambling was very uh, was strong there, and you know things like that, and um, sexual immorality and so on. It was a. Um, it does it ring a bell? It does. And it was into that that Paul had come uh, and planted and spent 18 months in Corinth planting a brand new church. And as far as we can see, it had grown and it had grown into quite a sizable church by this time. But it was, uh, it was clear that this young church was already absorbing some of the excesses of the culture that it was uh, um, amongst. And Paul is writing his, this letter to try to rectify some of those things. It should actually be called 2 Corinthians because in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 9, Paul refers to a previous letter he had written to the church. It delivers, this, this letter delivers an immensely practical and challenging message as it addresses issues which are just as irrelevant to our contemporary culture as it was then. And I would suggest to you, you know, that if you want to get something out of this book, you, we have just got a series and think, oh yeah, well I'll listen to this week and then I'll hear next week and something like that. But if you want to, uh, if you really want to get something out of this, read this, read this, this letter yourself and meditate on it and you'll find some things on it which are um, challenging 
challenging to our modern culture, offensive to our modern culture. For that reason, Paul is often called by some a misogynist. In other words, he, he looks down on women. They, they see him as a man who was prejudiced, biased. He was a man who was living in his own time and therefore you can devalue some of the stuff he makes. But, as I'm going to show, I think we would be, it would be dangerous to do that. So, today, we're, we're looking at 1 Corinthians 1 and the title is Christ the power and the wisdom of God. So let's read it. Let's read this chapter. It says this, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ in you. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that, you all, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptised in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptise any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptised in my name. Yes, I also baptised the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptised anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptise, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? 
Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom Christ has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no, no one may boast before him. It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us the wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let no one who boasts, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Great. Is that inspiring to you? It's good, isn't it? It's good, isn't it? It's good to read the scriptures. I just want to make a look at the introduction. It, you, you could spend weeks on this chapter alone, as you could any chapter. And of course, if we did, you'd probably be bored stiff, but, um, but you know, you could spend so much time. But I did want to just say, Paul's introduction, he says, Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. Now, as we go through, this is, the, this is Paul giving his credentials. He's not coming just as a friend, as someone who's got nice feelings. He's coming as an apostle. These words, in his mind, are apostolic and they should be forming the foundations of the church there. So as we go and, and go through and you find things challenging, um, it's, it's important not to, de to my mind, not to devalue Paul. All right? Because either he's, either he's an apostle speaking apostolically or he is not. And we therefore need to uh, see that. So I would recommend that we, we receive Paul's message as apostolic. We need to obviously put it in the context of contemporary culture. He's, he's speaking to this church, which we've already spoken about. And um, it, the first thing he says is grace and peace. In these, in these letters, I don't know why we do it our way, but we write a letter, and if it's a personal letter, we write the letter and then we put at the bottom, you know, yours sincerely, best wishes, Andy. And sometimes you've got to go to the bottom of the letter before you know who it is that's actually written to you. Um, but, but here, they don't do that. They put it right at the beginning so you know who it is 
why they're speaking. And he, he says, grace and peace. I suppose that could be equivalent to best wishes, but I, I would hope that it's not just a nice, a nice thing to say, but Paul is praying and declaring and proclaiming over them grace, undeserved, undeserved goodness, undeserved blessing, God's grace and peace upon them. And that's important. Peace, not in our outward lives, but peace in our hearts. Okay. And then, he, he, we, we know what's coming. You know, you've, you've probably read this book a few times. You know what's coming. He's going to give them a bit of a rough time. But he starts with thanksgiving. And I think that's so important. We don't skip over that because... He's not coming as an outsider just criticising and knocking what's going on. He's coming as someone who's invested his life in these people and loves them deeply and appreciates who they are, not just what they're getting wrong. And, it's, and that, that's really, really important. He loves them and he's, he's saying that they've, they've embraced so much of the good things of God. They've embrace so much of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're, do, they're doing so much that's good. And he wanted them to know that so that they don't just get knocked about when he starts to have a go at them. But now we go, now we go into the first of the issues. And there are loads of issues we're going to face. But this is the first one. Division in the church. And... Um, uh, I, we don't have divisions in our church, do we? <laughs> Not in Basingstoke. Well, we don't want to have divisions, but divisions have come. I'm very sad about it. It has meant a whole new church has been planted in Basingstoke, which is good, isn't it? But... Um, I'm really saddened by it, and I know some of you, and many of you are saddened by it. And Paul wants to address that because it is so much a part of life that can get in and spoil what 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 God's doing. So, um, so he says, he says, you know, people. In this case, they've got factions. Um, there are factions. So um, some are saying, "I'm of Paul," you know. I was here when Paul came, and I'm, I'm Paul, he's my man. And then another says, I'm of Apollos. Now, Apollos was this, um, uh, this guy who, who had been in Ephesus, who uh, had been, he was a very educated man, obviously a very good orator, a man who spoke, you know, taught really well. And uh, some people just loved his teaching, and they're of Apollos. Some was a, of Cephas. Cephas is the Greek name for... Peter. And of course, Peter was the leader of the church right in the beginning. So actually, my, you know, I'm, I'm standing with Peter. And, and others say, well, I follow Christ. Well, that sounds good, doesn't it? But actually, you know what it is? Some of those super spiritual people who say, I don't need, I don't need to hear from you. I get it straight from Jesus, you know. And uh, if it was true, that would be great, but it's often nonsense, isn't it? It's, uh, 
it, it's often an excuse for being, um, for, 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 for just, you know, for following what you think. Um, and, and they got these factions in the church, and this, this, uh, this family, this household of Chloe, had snitched on them and, uh, and, told, and told Paul, hey, Paul, these aren't, I, I don't know if it's a letter or what, but, uh, but things are going wrong here. And so Paul's written this letter. And um, I just want to, I just want to see, I, so I, I want to pause for a moment because I, uh, I got, had, had really, I was really helped by teaching by God, by an American called John Isaacs, uh, who's from San Jose, and he gave this teaching. And I'd like to just get run through this with you because I think it's very, very helpful when it comes to factions and how what we believe and how we can allow things that that in our minds to divide us. Right. Okay. Here we have four boxes, and those four, four boxes, everything that we believe in our faith, we can slot into one of those boxes. Okay? Right. So, box one. But in this box are items which are fundamental to our Christian faith, and probably as expressed in the creeds. These are the fundamental things. I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I believe in the Trinity. I believe these are the fundamentals of the faith. If, if you don't believe these things, then I probably can't call you a brother or a sister. Right? These are fundamental. We cannot be united in the body of Christ without, these, without holding to these fundamentals. And we call them the creed, and largely they are the basis of our faith. So that, that's the first thing. Now we go to box two. Now these are items which we believe are really important but can accept that other Christians could disagree with and may think differently. Um, so I think, I mean we, this, this church has largely been founded on the principle of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, all right? God's Holy Spirit empowering us with gifts and ministries and it's called charismatic, isn't it? We're, we're charismatic, but not very. <laughs> all right. But these are items, so you can think of all sorts of things that are important to us. Um, we believe in adult baptism as opposed to infant baptism. Um, we... Uh, we, we, we believe that there shouldn't be a, a division between what you might call the minister, the clerical side and the laity. We're all together. We believe in the priesthood of all believers. All right? We don't go for, you know, the, 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 the ordination of, you know, priests and people and, and so on. But we've got many friends in churches that do. All right? Because they love the Lord, we don't agree, maybe agree with them, we love them, and we love them, and we love fellowship with them, we have fellowship with them, because, you know, and often, you know, I've got friends in the Catholic Church, 
and we could, there's loads of things we could disagree with over the Catholic Church, but they love Jesus. And they, and they show it by the way they live. And who am I to, to criticise that, you know, when they're give, laying their lives, giving their lives to Jesus? And the Catholic Church gets a lot of bad press these days, doesn't it, about some of its history. But if you do go into the Catholic history, some of the historic figures of the church that just went and gave their lives to, to share the gospel around the world is amazing. So while I disagree with some of their stuff, I respect them and love them and honour them because my relationship with them is more important than my understanding. And I may quite well be wrong myself. Number three. These are items that we believe and do because it's our own church's tradition and uh, prophetic calling. So we've got prophetic, we've got prophetic calling over our church. Anyone can tell me? Can anyone tell me some a prophetic calling we have over this church? City of refuge. Well done. There you are. We're a city of refuge, a place where people can come and get refreshed and and so on. Maybe then to move out again, but a place where people can come. City of Refuge, uh, a reprocessing factory, we also call it. But it's, um, but that's, so we, we pursue that, when we've been given that prophetic calling, we pursue it. We prefer to have a band here rather than an organ, right? Okay. Um, and is that, does that make us better than anybody else? It just helps us. It's the way we do it. It's our traditions, our ways the way we don't pass a, a bag around at each service asking for the money, we do it, we, we tithe generally, we tithe, we take offerings and so on, things like that, but we don't, there are lots of things and we do it and it's largely, largely you can put it down to this, that I may like pink paint and you might like blue paint. When I come into your house and you've got blue walls I respect and love you for your blue walls. And when you come into my house with my pink walls, hopefully you'll respect and love me because it is personal preference. Yeah. Right? Let's hope that we don't get divided. Listen, I've told this story before, so I shan't tell it at length. But as a young leader, I was offended because I went to a meeting of another sort of church stream. And in those days, men were... Men were being encouraged to dance, dance in the spirit. Well, it was, I'm sure if the spirit was really inspiring us, so we wouldn't be doing what we were doing, but it was not the way we were doing it. But they danced differently. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah perhaps they danced properly. <laughs> but they danced differently, and I sat in that meeting feeling alienated and offended that this group, because they weren't doing it the way it should be done. <laughs> now, you know, they're, they're, it is absurd, isn't it? And the best thing about that incident was I came home and, and recognised how absurd that was because it changed my whole attitude towards working with other churches. Before that, I really thought, you know, my 
they're nice churches, but my church is the one that's going to take the world for Jesus. But then I realised that there are others that probably can do a better job. <laughs> All right? So, so you know, there, there, are th- there are things like that. And then the fourth one, uh, these are things that... Uh, these are things that we do today, uh, but due to changes in our situations, our people, uh, culture, we may well do differently in years to come. So we're sitting on seats, not in pews. You know, we we uh, we we largely put our money through the go through the banks with our money. Um, we the day we meet, we meet on a Sunday morning, but we might. That's not written in stone. It could, that could change. You know, anything about, there are things that we recognise that we do today, but we may change tomorrow. Now, the, the, value of, the value of having that is that by doing that little bit of an exercise, you begin to put things in their right place rather than their wrong place. Because it's usually, it's usually these two that cause us the most problems with other Christians, right? Things that we, things that we, you know, are dear to us, or even things that are our own idiosyncrasies, that, that, that's the worst, when, you know, I get offended because someone does it differently from me, you know, and, and so I'm, I, a division, I'm, I'm divided because I don't like the way they do it. These are the ones that, you know, the one up there, that's, uh, a church is always, you know, it's, it's right that we are clear on the fundamentals of the gospel and that we don't, we don't allow any, anything, anything to get to, to, to spoil that. But these ones are different. And um, it's good to be able to do that because then when you put, so, oh, that's in box, th- that's in box two, um, maybe it's not quite as drastic as I thought it was. Maybe my thinking's not right. But what I've seen as I get older is the importance of unity in the church. And when I was young and learning and seeing doctrine was so important and I was going to stand for my doctrine. Now, doctrine's important, but unity within the body of Christ is very, very, very important. Um, and so if I, and, and we're not all going to agree on things, certainly we're not going to agree on everything, but how I hold that disagreement is so important. You know, I hold it humbly. I may think a certain way, but I hold it humbly because my relationship with you is more important than the difference, different way we think of things. And, and that unity is so, so important. That is, that is if, if we don't have that unity, that, then saying that, that uh, the power of God, Christ is the power of God, probably is a little bit of a vain thought. It's nice talk. But it's through unity that the power of God is strong, will be strong with us. Okay. I'm just going to I'm going to whip through. So it says in Psalm 133 how good and pleasant it is when people li- li- live together in unity. And it that's not just a nice phrase. 
when we live together in unity, God can do so much more. Doesn't mean we disagree. And, you know, if Paul said they shouldn't, we shouldn't ever disagree, he'd be a hypocrite because he's about to tell them where they've got it wrong. All right? We need, to be, we need to be brought up short, but we need to hold those, those, those things and know that unity is more important. So then we come to the, the we come to the second the, the next bit. I, I can't remember where I'm now. Oh, I'm, that's a bit bit too. I, I don't want to come to that yet. So I just want to talk a little bit about the wisdom the wisdom of God. Um, do you know I, I I have a I have a PhD in physics. I say that not to be proud. Um, I doubt if, I don't think anybody in Basingstoke has ever seen my thesis, and if they did, do you know I've forgotten more physics than I ever knew? <laughs> and what I, what I will tell you is that we have, we have a view that, you know, science <coughs> is such a great thing. Well, it is, it is a great thing. God's put within us a desire to learn, you know, in science, medicine, and so on a desire to learn so much more, and that's absolutely God's way. But I was in science and in physics long enough to know that what, we, what is presented is absolutely fraught with um, ego, ambition, reputation, money. I was in physics long enough to know that, that, that what, what gets published and what gets put forward has, is filtered through the fact that, you know, if, if, my, if, if my theories aren't borne out in practice, I'm not going to get any money to promote it. So I've got to make it look good. I remember when we were in COVID, uh, the, the mantra from the government was, follow the science, follow the science. Remember that? And you say, but which science? There was the science. There was the science that was, you know, the government, uh, the government health thing was were putting, but there were other voices all around saying, "But we think differently." They, some were saying we didn't lock down early enough. Others were saying we shouldn't have locked down at all. You know, I don't know. Who knows? We we don't know. We we have to. But it, it's a healthy scepticism of that because I just before Christmas I. I went into a guy's uh, place. This guy, um, because he has COPD, he tends to sit in his room nearly all day and watch the telly. And uh, I invited him to come to the live nativities, you know, so he could see my wings. And um, <laughs> and he, it, it, it was like a trigger. He launched into uh, a, a whole diatribe of. You know, how can you believe all that old stuff? Science has proved that, you know, it's, it's all wrong. Jesus didn't exist. All that stuff is a load of rubbish. And, and then, you know, and, and I thought, okay, fine. You know, I said, did say there's more evidence that Jesus existed than there is for Julius Caesar. Do you believe in Julius Caesar? Um, um, but, but I think the point was that he was imbibing what he saw on the television as science, as gospel, but, but what he saw in the Bible, he, he dismissed. And it's so important that we're discerning about what we receive, what we understand from the society around us. 
a lot of it is really good and you know we we benefit from superb you know medical advances don't we and engineering advances and things but we need to be discerning about that the wisdom of god doesn't doesn't require all that the wisdom of god starts in in the heart and and i was so grateful when I was, just before I graduated from my first degree, we went to a conference and someone prophesied over me and said, Andy, you are, God wants you to be a heart man, not a head man. And um, I struggle, I'm not academic at all, you know. It's, you know, I've got this PhD, great, you know. It's, it helps sometimes when you need to get things done. But, um, but I, I, I'm not academic at all because... Uh, I, I just, I, I'm amazed at people who still study but a, a, a lot, but I, I, I'm not academic because God's more interested in the heart and the wisdom of God starts here, okay? And to be, to be great in the, king, in the kingdom, you don't have to have a lot up here, you have to have a lot down here, but it transfers up here. And it's when we have the wisdom of God first in our lives, when we listen to God and hear him both individually and together, that the power of God begins to manifest itself amongst us. And you, you know the teaching of God. You know, if you look at, at what people are striving for in their lives around us, and yet some of the, some of the things, it, you know, it's better to give than to receive, isn't it? That's what Scripture says. And you know that's right. But it's so, you know, you've got to resist that, that pull to say, no, 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 actually it's better to, to get more and more. Some of that stuff. Anyway, as we, as we go on, um, as we go on, please keep your minds alert. When we come to the difficult patches of Corinthians, keep your mind open to God. Let's hear what God's got to say for save us. Let's not come to it with what with with you know I this or that. Let's let's listen and see what's God got to say to Hope Church in 21st century Britain from this 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 scripture and see if that will help us to move forward as a church. So let's just pray and then I'll, and we'll finish. Father, I just want to uh, give thanks to you for this wonderful church. Just as Paul did for the Corinthian church. Thank you for the many, many gifts, the things that we've got here. Thank you for the way the church works. We see it so often. Thank you for the love that is shown. Thank you for the sharing and the grace and the goodness, Lord. But Lord, I'm sure there are many things that you need to put right in this church. And just pray that as we go through this, uh, this particular bit of teaching that you will show us and you'll show us how to change and how to move forward and how to be better. Amen. 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 Amen.